Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. This is the 604th episode, and I am going to do whatever I can to get you off the fence. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, the thing is, is last week I said, hey, if you have not yet purchased your ticket to Free the Dream 2019, please email me and let me know what is it that's standing in the way. And for those of you who emailed me, everybody that's emailed me so far, I have responded to you personally. And for those of you who haven't emailed me, let me, I want you to know, I was serious about that. Please do email me and let me know why you have not yet purchased your ticket to Free the Dream. And the cool thing is, is, oh man, it was so, it, it, it felt so good to hear how many of you actually do have a very strong desire to make this happen. And, oh, Gosh, I, and so I'm looking forward to those obstacles that are currently standing in people's way. I'm looking forward to those people finding ways around those obstacles. And of course, one of my greatest joys is that in responding to some of those people, I said, I just asked them a couple questions, gave them a couple thoughts, and some of those obstacles are either immediately eliminated as a result of the response or are in the process of being eliminated. For those of you, again, if you have not yet purchased your ticket to Free the Dream, please email me. I really do care. Cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. I want to help you free the dream inside of you. And here's the one thing I can tell you. I'm absolutely convinced that Free the Dream will help unlock something inside of you. I know this because I I saw it happen in the lives of every single attendee at Free the Dream. I saw it happen in the lives of every speaker at Free the Dream 2018. I saw it happen inside of my own life, in my wife's life, in my kids' lives, in the the video production crew that I hired to record the videos. Even they told me how much the messages that were shared from the stage of Free the Dream 2018, it just unleashed something inside of them. They they broke free from limiting beliefs that were holding them back. There's a friend of mine, her name is Crystal, and I and I asked this question last year. What, why haven't you purchased your ticket yet? And and she wrote to me and says, Cliff, you know he, the reason why I'm afraid, to, why I haven't signed up for Free the Dream is because I'm afraid it'll be just another event that I go to that I get excited, but then I come home and I really don't make any progress towards my dream. That's just happened so many times, and I don't know if I can handle the letdown again. Now, by the way, this was about a year ago, so I may be paraphrasing just slightly, but it was a it was along those lines. And I recorded an entire vlog episode, a video for my YouTube channel on my response to that and it, and and how free the dream 
is meant for people exactly like that, people who have gone to events and taken online courses so that they can make progress towards their goals. But for whatever reason, there always seems to be that gap. I said, if you come to Free the Dream, I promise you what you're gonna get is the understanding of why that gap continues to be a problem for you, why there continues to be a gap between the things you know you ought to do and what you actually do. Free the Dream is all about that, and I'm so thrilled to to tell you that for for Crystal, my friend, one of her dreams is to create this product, a physical product that she has had a dream of creating, and just three or four weeks ago, I saw an email that came through, and, and she also posted a picture inside of the Free the Dream family Facebook community, and it is a physical actual prototype of her product. She literally has designed and developed and has produced a physical prototype of her physical product, an art, uh, uh, this little art box that uh, I'm gonna have to bring Crystal on just for an episode in the future to tell you her story. But the thing is, it's something that she's wanted to do for years and years and years and she goes, man, I have this dream, and I just don't know if it's ever going to happen, and, and you know, another event to get all hyped up, but she came to free the dream, and guess what? Less than a year later, she actually has a prototype of her physical product, and it's cool, and not only that, but I just recently connected her with somebody else who I think might be somebody that's going to help get the word out, potentially, about her upcoming product launch. Ah, anyway, free the dream. I'm telling you, I'm absolutely convinced that free the dream 2019 is going to help you make significant progress towards your dreams. I've heard so many people express that I'm not ready to come to free the dream because I don't even know what my dream is. And you know what? I was out for a walk today. Before I recorded episode number 604 here, I'm like, you know, I I had an idea of what I might share in this episode, but then it was time to record, in, in the calendar anyway, and I'm like, I don't know that this is what I feel led to actually record. So I went out for a walk. Today is a beautiful day. It is Thursday, June 27th, 2019, and it is a blue sky, light, fluffy, white clouds out in the sky hanging up there. Uh, the, the temperature, it's 88 degrees outside, and it's just like, I'm going to go out for a walk and see if after my walk I have a little bit more clarity and discernment about what is it that I need to share in episode 604 to get some of these people off the fence because I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that it is the right thing for me to focus on is the marketing of Free the Dream 2019 because there are hundreds of people who need to be there. I believe you need to be at Free the Dream 2019. And as I was out for my walk, it became clear to me, Cliff, Give them another session. Give them another free session of the Free the Dream content. Now, last year, I made the opening keynote address to Free the Dream available for free. 
600 of you have already gone through and watched that piece of content, that opening address. All beliefs have consequences. By the way, that means that a few thousand of you have not yet done that. So I encourage you to head over to MindsetAnswerMan.com slash free. Right now, you could do that. MindsetAnswerMan.com slash free. Request access to that free opening keynote address. It will have a powerful impact in your life. I promise you. If it doesn't, and I've broken my promise, I encourage you to unsubscribe from my podcast because why believe anything else that I would tell you? I believe it in so much that I'm telling you that if you go to mindsetanswerman.com slash free and you then watch the opening keynote address of Free the Dream 2018, if you then watch it and afterwards say, eh, that wasn't all that special. If that happens to you, I encourage you to unsubscribe, unfollow me on all social media channels because I have just overpromised and underdelivered. And as far as I'm concerned, that is that is one of the most ultimate failures. All right, I, I'm all about underpromising and overdelivering. And I'm telling you, if you go to mindsetanswerman.com/free and watch the opening keynote address, I promise you it will have a, an extremely powerful, positive, profound impact in your life, all right? MindsetAnswerMan.com slash free. And the, so I was out for my walk today and it became clear to me, I should share another message. I'm gonna share with you the closing keynote from Free the Dream 2018. Now, I did not do my own closing keynote last year. I will be doing the closing keynote at Free the Dream 2019, but last year I had my dear friend and mentor, Ken Davis, do the closing keynote. And it is a powerful message. And for those of you who aren't sure how to think about your dreams, how to evaluate your dreams, uh, not sure if your dreams are gonna be fulfilling lifelong, you know, I think that the, the talk that Ken Davis gave last year, shared here in episode 604, I think it's going to answer some very important questions you have about what your dream is. I think it's going to unlock some things within you. This audio recording of Ken's closing keynote from Free the Dream 2018, it is just an example of the level of quality of communication that happens on the stage from this event. And I promise you this, what you are about ready to hear is going to have a profound impact on you. There's gonna be about three to five different sections of this talk from Ken Davis that are gonna hit you like a heavy weight right in your gut. And you're gonna be like, whoa, that one, that one spoke to the dead center of my heart. I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that that's going to happen to you at least one, two, or three times, maybe as many as five times within the talk that you are about ready to hear this closing keynote address from Free the Dream 2018. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, you may be seated. I want to prepare you for what is about to happen. By the way, would you give an enormous a hand to Giovanna. Is that not one of the most inspiring people you've ever met? Um, and just so you know what you're going to get, this is Giovanna's notebook. 
this is mine. Okay? And, and just so you know what you're going to get, you notice that I have a little podium up here and a chair. That is because of several things. Number one, I want to make sure that the content that I'm giving you, that I get through that. And I'm 70, almost 72 years old, and so I have to have this to remember. Because at my age, I have to tell you what happened very recently. I lose my phone every day. <laughs> Is there anybody? I lose it every day. We just bought a new car. It has a fob. You can't get into the car without the fob. And so I, I kept losing my keys. I was late to a meeting one time because I couldn't find my keys. Diane said there's an app on your phone that you can use, and it's called Tile. And they put a little, little gadget on your keys, and you can go to Tile on your phone and press it, and your keys go beep, 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 which is a little song that means I'm over here, you don't know where I am, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, th this is why I have the podium, okay? The other day, <laughs> the other day, I could not find my keys. And Diane said, go to the Tile app and press the Tile app. And I pressed it. And amazing, absolutely amazing. In the room I was in, by the bed, I turned on the covers on the bed and because maybe I left, you know, maybe it slipped in there and we made the bed over and it got quieter. So surely it has to be here. Then I realized it isn't here. It's in the closet. And there it is. 15 minutes of looking for my keys only to discover they were hanging on my pants. That's why I will refer to my nose more than usual. The other thing I want you to know is I'm weird. I'm going to be weird all my life. I was born weird. It isn't going to change tonight. So somewhere I realize on your notepads, there will be a little note that will just say, he was weird. But we're going to get this done. I want to talk today. Oh, Giovanna, I know you'll want this. So uh, I'm, I'm going to just leave this right here. And would you grab it? There you go. Would you give that to Giovanna? I am going to tell you the story of my life and how I learned to live my dream. Not just because I want to tell you my story, but because I believe there are lessons in that story that may benefit you and help you move forward with your dream. I'm going to identify some of those lessons. I will, I will give them a name. There's three specifically that I'm going to talk about. Sorry about that. Did you hear that little thing in my... <clears throat> it's puberty. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's so weird. I'm starting to notice girls. Uh, <laughs> But those aren't the most important lessons. Probably the most important lessons that you will realize are the lessons that you pulled from there, that you recognized. As Giovanna spoke, there was a moment in her talk, I believe a life-changing moment, that she probably would not have even realized she included in her notes. So I want you to look for those lessons. That's, that's what's important today and how they might 
help you. The first lesson that I learned is you have to know your dream. I didn't know what my dream was for a long time. But there are some, there are some key um, feelings, there are some key ways that you can identify your dream. And here they are. Number one, what brings you lasting joy? It can be easy to be confused or to fall into the trap of going after something that brings momentary joy but not lasting joy. What brings you lasting joy? You know, Cliff in his talk talked about the fact that there was a dream that he followed and suddenly he, he felt like his soul had died. Well, whatever joy had, been, had come to him as a result of following that, that first dream had faded. You have to listen to that. If, if your soul is dead where you are, you're not living your dream fully alive. Here's another clue. That's a good word, clues. These are clues. What are you good at? What are you good at? What is it that God has gifted you with? It doesn't have to be different than everybody else. It doesn't have to be something absolutely spectacular, but you're good at it. What do people say you're good at? What have people encouraged you about all of your life? I encourage you, as you seek to really identify your dream, because we don't always have it down tight. We're not sure. Is there anybody else that isn't sure yet exactly what that dream is? Maybe a little afraid to move forward because you're not sure what that dream is. So I ask you to mine your past. Look back on your life. That's why I'm going to tell tell you my story. And then probably most important of all, Ask your creator. He's the one that knows how you were put together, who knew it before you were even in the womb. Or even in this room. People ask me all the time, when did you start speaking? When did you start doing comedy? When did you know that this is what you're supposed to do? I get asked that in radio interviews. I love when that question is asked because I always respond by saying, I I knew when the doctor slapped me and said, it's a boy. It almost, is, it almost goes back that far. I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of me in the insolent stage of life. The, uh, the innocent, sorry, the innocent stage of life. <laughs> I told you, I told you what you were going to get into here. This is a picture of me in the innocent stage of life. My parents told me after I, they, they were able to see me uh, develop a career, a very successful career in speaking and doing comedy and, and providing content in the midst of that comedy, they told me that the first memory they really have of me as a something besides an infant was me standing in front of a radio the size of a piece of furniture. Are there any people in here old enough to remember when radios were the size of furniture, a huge glowing dial that you turned with a, you were, and you'd go through all of these sounds as it passed the channels. And there was a comedian on, uh, and he was telling jokes, and the audience was laughing, and I was standing there with a loaded diaper, they said, 
stamping my feet and screaming at the top of my lungs with joy, at the sound of laughter. And I, in my memory, either because they put it in there or because it's, it's embedded in my memory because I can still see the radio. I can st- still see the yellow glow. By the way, it wasn't just a radio. If you opened the other half, there was a long-playing uh, long record player in there. So you had a radio. We were just exceedingly wealthy. As a high school student, you might guess that I was a very popular student. You would be wrong. I weighed 110 pounds. I had curvature of the bone in both of my arms. I was unable to straighten my arms or, or to straighten my palms like this. And I couldn't straighten my arm all of the way. They brought in a substitute physical education teacher and he did a hand-eye coordination contest. And the contest consisted of catching a football over your right shoulder, over your left shoulder, thrown from behind you, and thrown straight on. I cannot, to this day, do a chin-up because I cannot grab a pipe. My my arms will not turn. I had surgery in high school, and they they did as much as they possibly could to straighten my arms out. But it was, when I was in high school, I couldn't, this was it. And that was about as far as my arms would straighten. I can straighten them almost all the way now. I still can't turn, hold my palm flat. It's embarrassing in restaurants. You go up for change and it, it, it won't, the change will not hang in your hand. It falls all <laughs> over the floor. The only way I can keep change in my hand is to do this. And it's just so weird going, <laughs> lots of change, load me up. I got it. I was bullied in high school. I remember that coach throwing the football at me. I couldn't catch it over my left shoulder. I couldn't catch it over my right shoulder. I couldn't catch it straight on. And he did it over and over again. And finally he said, go go hit the showers. His exact words, hit the showers, you're worthless. That was pounded into my brain. 25 students in my high school class, all of them involved in some sport. And I couldn't do any of it. I was beat up on a regular basis in high school because I was an easy target. It was like a school sport in our school. You could letter in it. You get a little jacket with a sad boy on it. You know what my dream was then? Anybody want to take a guess? Pardon? No? No? To survive. To survive. To find some way to have my friends, my fellow students, impart worth on me. Now remember, you saw the picture of me when I was a a boy. Uh, This now is in a different stage of life. This was during the insolent, this is the insolent stage of my life. That's me as a freshman in high school. Remember Brill Cream? A little dabble. (laughs) It's 
what a whole tube will do to you right there. <laughs> this was a time of desperation. The picture, there's a smile on the picture, but this was a time of desperation for me. But I had this gift, and I do, I call it a gift. That's not, that is not arrogant. You don't, you don't brag about a gift. You're grateful for a gift. And the gift was the ability to make people laugh. Do you know what? That kept me from several beatings. I could make people laugh. If I could make them laugh, they wouldn't beat me. <clears throat> people would pay attention to me. We were in English class. I remember our English teacher who was always nothing but kind to me. And we were studying Shakespeare. And there is a line in Shakespeare that goes like this. Uh, where, where he's trying to get the blood out of his toga. You remember that? And he says, out, out, damned spot. And I raised my hand and I suggested three or four other adjectives that could replace that. Profane adjectives. And my friends were shocked and they laughed. And the teacher made me stay after school. Went to a country school. It was a half-hour bus ride to get to the school. When you stayed after school, you missed your bus because the protocol was that the teacher would call your parents to come and get you because she wanted to talk to them. I waited that time with my desk pulled right up to her desk, watching her correct papers. And back then, when your parents came to get you, they did not bring a lawyer. They brought weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> two, bores, two by fours with uh, barbed wire wrapped around, stuff like that. The truth is that parents at that time took the teacher's word. They didn't defend your bad behavior. Before my parents arrived, I heard her clear her throat. She capped her pen. I can still see the, the backs of her hands. She laid it carefully down and looked at me and said, Kenneth Alpheus Davis, look at me. And I looked at her. And I knew what was coming. I was going to be expelled from school. She folded her hands together and leaned across the desk and said, Son, God has given you a gift. I didn't expect that. She said, you're using this gift to destroy my class. That's going to change. I want you to go out for speech. Insolent Ken Davis stood right up from his desk and said, I will not go out for speech. All my friends are wearing letter jackets with macho pictures on them, footballs, hockey sticks. I will not walk around this school with a set of lips hanging off of my jacket. <laughs> Oh, she said, you will go out for speech because the alternative is unacceptable. I agreed to go out for speech. My parents came to get me, and she said to my parents, uh, Kenneth uh, disturbed our class a little bit today. She said, but I want you to know that he has an amazing gift. I've asked him to go out for speech, and I'm wondering if you would su support him in that. God has given you a gift. Washed away, you are worthless.
I went out for speech, won every contest I entered, and it was the beginning of a dream. This was a dream. This was something that I could do that would get people to acknowledge me. This is something that I could do to, to feel, as, as Cliff said, significant. This was something that I could do that would give me worth and value. So important as you know your dream to identify the obstacles. I want to tell you one of them real quick. I just wrote this down as one of you was speaking. But perfectionism will destroy your ability to free the dream. I'm an artist. I can't tell you how many watercolors have never been painted because they're not perfect. Or never been seen because they're not perfect. As an author, writing a book I've written 15, I think, but writing a book is like giving birth to a rose bush. It's so pretty once it's there, but good Lord. (laughs) And one of the reasons is because I I think it has to be perfect the first time. Uh, There was an author that wrote a book called Bird by Bird, help me, Anne Lamont. And and it talks about... (laughs) The best chapter in there is... um, Let's just call them crappy first drafts. That you write and just write. Don't expect it to be perfect. You'll be able to perfect it later. And the same is true with your dream. Your dream is going to be perfect. There's going to be deep valleys. There's going to be places where you want to give up. But once you identify it, you can move forward. I'm going to just give you one other obstacle. Comparison. The day you say... I'm not as good as, or I don't, uh, you, you don't compare yourself with anybody else because God didn't make any mistakes when he created you. You're the best you there is. And I have a friend that used to say, if you don't do you, nobody else can. That's why I introduce myself and let people know that I'm crazy. 72, my favorite thing on a Saturday morning is to drive my motorcycle down to the highway near our home and sit on my motorcycle and with my wife's hair dryer and point it at cars as they go by. <laughs> I love the smell of burning rubber. That's me. That's, that's, why should I stop? Because I'm 72. You, you sit on the edge of a highway with a motorcycle and, and a hair dryer and point it at cars. They slam on the brakes. You can stay there as long as you want. <laughs> And sniff of that rubber. (laughs) Sometimes I chase those people. (laughs) Which really confuses them because I drive a little pink moped motorcycle. (laughs) You know that humor gives you the ability to exaggerate, right? I'm not exaggerating. This is a... A picture was taken. A picture was taken uh, uh, right after that little yellow car spun out coming over the hill. Just, and it was taken just before the police came and said, that, "That's not a real good idea. You really should not do that." No, that isn't Cliff's car. I maybe it is. <laughs> that was Cliff. <laughs> 
I just noticed that, you know, when I took off from home, there was a dog in that basket. I got to check that out. Here's the second lesson I learned along the way. Know that your, gene, that your dream will change. Your dream will change. Don't expect your dream today to be the only dream you will have. Your dream today may open the door for a new dream later on. I spoke with Cliff briefly out, uh, outside here. Cliff, you were the person I went to when I started a podcast. You were the, the top of the line, the cream of the crop in how to start one, what equipment you need to use, how to develop a podcast, and suddenly you find that that dream leaves you with your soul dead? What is wrong? Where are you, Cliff? What is wrong with you? Answer me. Yeah, you had it. nothing. You had a new dream. And guess what? By God's provision, your first dream gave you the platform to do this. You couldn't have done it without your first dream. So you, you continue to seek to know that you're headed in the right direction. And know that your dream will change. I remember I, I, I started out as a, as a uh, youth minister. And um, I, then I went into... Uh, it, I'll, I'll tell you all of the dreams. I could give you this illustration first. I was invited to speak at a corporate event in Florida. And I had not done a corporate event ever in my life. I had done church events where you got a, um, a love offering, which is about eight plates filled with love. And, <laughs> and here's 10 bucks for your travel. And I'd never done anything. So when they called, uh, th this is a fun story too. My wife is here and she's going to be available to, if you want some of our materials, she'll be available here right after we're done. But <laughs> this guy called and he said, uh, I was at church the other day and I heard you speak and I'm wondering if you could come down and speak to our uh, convention of chiropractors. I'd been to a chiropractor once. It almost, bro it almost broke me. And I thought, these people have money. This is no, this is no love offering. I might get, and I, I thought of the, the highest price I could possibly think of. And I said, when is the date? And he gave me the date. And I, I said, hang on a second. And I called Diane into the room and I said, this is a chiropractor and there's going to be a bunch of them together. And this is not going to be love offering. We could make $1,500. Uh, what should I do? She said, this is during our family vacation. Uh, you, you can't do this. This is family time. And so I said, I'm sorry, I can't come. This is family time. And he called again. He said, uh, uh, you know, we really want you. You're the person we want to speak. Is there anything? And I put my hand over the phone and I said, can we do this? And she said, the family, family is important. You're going you're gonna to put a price on family? Finally called a third time, and I thought, I'm going to make this guy an offer. He has to refuse. So I said, okay, I'll come. It, this is what a phone sounds like, and the old phones. Okay, I'll come if you pay me $1,500, and you make sure my family gets down, and you pay all those expenses, and then you put us up in a, 
a nice place on the beach for uh, a week. <laughs> Knowing, you know, that's not going to... He went, great! <laughs> you can ask her. I called, I called her into the room and I said, I said, wait just a second. I said, uh-uh. Honey, I tried, I'm, I promise you, family is important, and I tried to get him to say no, and so I said, $1,500 and fly us down there and, and pay, put us up on the beach for a week. And he said, yes, what am I going to do? And she said, take it, stupid. <laughs> now, this is a $1,500 speech. <clears throat> I've got to make this count. This is no love offering speech. So I brought notes. Before I got older, I didn't use notes. I just, I am improvisational comedy and content mixed together. And, and I, I just was going to, but I, this was a $1,500 speech. I had to do this right. I'm sitting in the audience. About five minutes before my speech, I realized I left my notes in the hotel room. I ran for the elevator. Elevator doors opened. I dove in. I pressed the room to my, or pressed the button for my floor. The elevator went up. It stopped. The sound of the doors opened. It sounded like they opened. You know how the elevator does a little thing when it stops? That happened. Doors did not open. I pressed the button. No open doors. I, and then it went up again. It's past my room now. And and it stops again. No open door. I started kicking the door. I'm, I'm saying words that I haven't said. I've got to speak. I've got to give this speech. I heard a voice behind me. I, I was yelling, the elevator's stuck. The elevator's stuck. And the voice behind me went, no, it ain't. Now, if you get on an elevator alone and you hear a voice behind you, Every hair on my body stood up. I turned around to discover that this is one of those elevators that had two doors. I was facing the wrong door. Kicking at this door. Once I discovered that, I got to my room, got down in time to make my speech, and I confessed to the people that what had happened. I said, you know, a bad word came to my head, and I, I little old lady came up to me afterwards, and she said, I was there when the elevator stopped the first time. <laughs> that was a bad word. Here's the point. You may find yourself kicking and screaming and there's another door open behind you that you don't see. Don't just be so blind as to not look around you for opportunity God may be bringing you that you never knew about. Know that your dream will change. I developed a high school program. First, I was in youth ministry for, for 12 years. I was speaking, using humor, changing lives, and I thought, this is it. Then a door opened behind me. 
I developed a high school assembly program. I spoke to over a million students all over the world with a program called Nothing But The Best. Talk about a place to hone your skills as a speaker. Oh, goodness. I looked down and saw that, and I thought it had said three minutes left. And it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> that's the place. Have any of you, I, I know I met someone here who does high school assemblies. Uh, first person who had the feeling of doing a high school assembly was Daniel when they threw him into the lions. Um, these kids, a lot of times, are prepared for the very worst. They don't get a lot of good programs. I remember a kid that gave me, he came up after the assembly one day and he gave me a, a, a tomato, a very, a tomato in real bad shape. It was rotten, you could almost smell it. And he said, thank you, that's one of the best programs I've ever heard. And he carefully dumped it into my hands. And I said, what is this? He said, it's, it's a gift. I'm giving it to you as a gift for a great program. And then he sm- got this little smirk on his face and he said, you were going to get it one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved capturing their attention. It was a place, you have to hold those kids' attention on a constant basis. You can't start out good and they're not going to sit and take notes. You have to keep their attention the whole time. And then another door opened. Uh, It led to corporate opportunities and conference opportunities. And I was speaking all over the world to every kind of audience you can imagine. I was in New Zealand and Belgium and and this, this is it, right? Then I went into a different stage of life. I call it the idiot stage of life. This is me during the most dangerous years of my life. Deciding that my dream wasn't big enough. That I needed to be famous. This is a picture that was sent to uh, places all over the country. I had started doing comedy and nightclubs and very well received. Um, I worked with people like Roseanne Barr. I got to open for people like Ray Charles and Ben Vereen and some of the famous people that are now, most of them, gone. And I decided I need to be famous. And I didn't realize it, and I'm just going to set you up to this, but my, my, my dreams were leading me to a precipice, a cliff, that would help me realize what my real dream was. And my real dream was bigger than anything else. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. I want to set you up for it. I was drawn in this direction. I wanted to be famous. Why? Somebody help me. Significance. Worth. I'll be worth something then. And I began to learn as I approached that dream, as I worked with some people that most people never see except on the big screen and television, that some of these people were absolutely miserable because they had followed what they thought was their dream to the end What could there be more than making millions of dollars and being known all over the world? What could be greater than that? At least five of the people that I worked with got to know, took their own lives or destroyed their lives with drugs or alcohol. And I didn't find very many that were fulfilled or happy. 
I almost sacrificed my own family, my reputation, my career. I didn't know it at the time, and I hope you'll write some of this down. But a dream has to be bigger than a dollar sign. It has to be bigger than any measure of fame that you could possibly achieve. And some of you may be thinking, how can it be bigger than that? A dream has to be bigger than any power you might dream of holding. Your dream has to be bigger than you. That doesn't mean that you are insufficient. It means that dreams have to be bigger than just what you get from them. Up until a ver very near uh, uh, the middle of my career, possibly a little bit beyond, I would stand in front of an audience and my greatest thrill was that standing ovation, the applause, the significance I felt. I spoke to you so that I would get from you the affirmation that I had value and worth. Does that make sense? Be careful that in your masterminds you're authentic, that, that you give because when you stop giving, you die. Freddie Prince, at the peak of his career, took his own life. He said to a friend shortly before he did that terrible act, he was, he was a comedian. He, I mean, he was just ro rocketing to fame. He said this, I can't hear them laughing anymore. May I translate that as someone who's been through it? Their laughter no longer sustains me. I can tell you, there aren't enough standing ovations. I've stood in front of 20,000 people in a stadium and, and had them clap until I was embarrassed. That won't do it. Is that nice? Absolutely. Is that a sign that perhaps you hit a home run? Absolutely. Should you pay attention to it? Absolutely. But it will not sustain you. <clears throat> the dreams that last are dreams that impact the lives of others. I'm telling you, there is no joy that you will get bigger more intense than the joy that comes from knowing your changing lives. That's my third lesson. Make sure that your dream is bigger than you. Only the good Lord kept me from destroying my life. It would take a long time to realize the real essence of my dream. At the peak of my success, I was spending weeks curled up in bed fighting depression. Because I was leaning on that applause, because I was leaning on my success, because I was leaning on a bank account, I had had a career that was so successful financially that I didn't have to do anything the rest of my life. In fact, when our financial counselor said to me, 
You don't have to work another day in your life. You're set. That almost became my death warrant. Now what am I leaning on? I'm, I'm, I can retire. I, there's no such thing as retire, folks. Dan Miller, needs, I, you know, Dan Miller he, he's about my age. Aren't you about my age, Dan? Pretty close? Yeah. Dan Miller, yeah, retire doesn't even exist in his, in his... He doesn't need a whole lot more money, but he's impacting lives. I'm going to call Dan Miller when Giovanna was up here. And you wrote, what are you going to step are you going to take tomorrow to advance your career or whatever it was? You remember that, Giovanna? I wrote, call Dan Miller, ask him for money. <laughs> Just brace yourself for that call, Dan. I started out making $8,000 a year and ended up making enough money so that I do not have to worry financially about the rest of my life but from the point of purpose and dream you can't stop you don't retire you retread I traveled all over the world I can't travel anymore as much as I used to just because of some health issues but I don't have to stop dreaming I'll talk about that a little bit more I want to show you a picture of my soul when I was at the, at the height of depression, at the height of not knowing where I wanted to turn. This picture was taken on a beach. 200 and almost 240 pounds. That little girl is my, grand, my youngest granddaughter, Jaden. If she had been drowning 150 yards from shore, probably 50 yards from shore. I couldn't have saved her. I couldn't even tie my shoes. Now, Cliff has talked enough about the whole importance of physical that I'm not going to get into that on a deep basis. All I know is that when I saw that picture, something clicked in my mind because that is not a picture of my backside. By the way, there were people on the beach yelling, move, we'd like to see the ocean. <laughs> I took off my shirt and laid down on the beach and, and environmentalists came from the woods and start, tried to ease me back into the water. <laughs> Little children yelling, free Willie, free him. But that is not a picture of my rear. That is a picture of my soul. Bloated, undisciplined, and the only vision I had, vision meaning vision, dream, was leaning on what I had already accomplished. Then an event that I will never forget changed my life forever. I had already started to make some changes. When I saw that picture, I decided that I had to do something, so I signed up for a triathlon. You remember he was telling... Not the Ironman where people pass away. It was more... <laughs> More like my friend um, Zig Ziglar used to say, it was a, a styrofoam person triathlon where you, where you uh, run to the bathroom, fill up the tub, uh, pull the plug, fight the current, um, <laughs> go down, blow up a bicycle tire, and then go back to bed. I took second in that event. 
Something clicked in my mind. Second, I'm sorry, I don't want you to get the wrong opinion. I took second in my age group, okay? And there were two guys in my age group. I actually, there were actually uh, dozens of men in my age group. But second didn't mean anything. As I crossed the finish line, there were tears streaming down my face. Not because, and I didn't know I'd taken anything. I didn't know I'd won anything. All I knew is that I had left nothing on the course. I had exhausted every bit that I had in getting to that finish line. And as, my, as I began to change, there was an event that really did change my life forever. This is a picture. Remember that little girl, Jaden? This is a picture of Jaden and I together. She was my, I was, she was grandpa's girl. When she was a baby, I would come into the room and her feet would begin to kick and she would... We were camping in Colorado, 10,500 feet in, in the wilderness of Colorado. Only a logging trail weaved through that area, not a campsite. We made our own camp. I went out to get some firewood and Jaden said, Can I go with you, Grandpa? And I said, Yes. And then we got out there and I realized I'm going to be pushing down trees that have died standing up and I do not want this little girl to get hurt. So standing where we could see the little camp that we made, I handed her a little stick. And I said, would you take this back to Grandma? And, and she said, yes. And she started dragging this stick back to the campsite. And I turned and went back into the forest to collect more wood, 10,500 feet. And unbeknownst to me, she got halfway to where she was going and thought, to heck with this. And she dropped the stick because she wanted to be with me and disappeared into the wilderness. I was back in about 45 minutes, an hour. Grandma thought she was with me. I thought she was with Grandma. She was lost. I cannot tell you the terror when we discovered she was gone. I can tell you that for the next hours, we ran, we called, we took this little four-wheel drive vehicle and drove. We called her name, praying that we would hear her voice. I prayed that I would see the colorful little clothes that she wore, the orange little shirt that she had on. We ran into a forestry official. He had a radio, and he called a rescue team to come. Clouds were beginning to form. In the mountains of Colorado, it can go from 85 degrees to 60 degrees and rain in a heartbeat. Where was she? They brought the rescue team. The horror of bringing out her clothes that she used to wear so that if they brought the dogs up, the dogs might be able to find her. The rescue team lined up an, a mile and a half above our campsite because they told us children, when they get lost, they do not climb uphill. They go downhill because it's an easier way. So they gave themselves a mile, a mile or a mile and a half cushion. You talk about expending yourself. I ran and I called until my voice was gone. I ran until my legs were rubber. I remembered a swampy area that had a quicksand kind of stuff in it. And I, I, I didn't even want to go near it, but I went into that area 
and stumbled and fell on my hands and knees in a shallow puddle and then I could not get up. I didn't have any strength to get up. I remember kneeling in that puddle, praying, God help me. God help me. I began to bargain with God. So you can have my airplane. I own two homes. So you can have you can have my houses. You can have my career. And I began to expand that. You can have my retirement. You can have everything. You you can have everything. You can have my reputation. God, you can have me. Take me. But please bring this baby back. I didn't know it, but at about that time, a teacher and her husband had decided to climb some of the mountains in the area. As they made their way to tree line, they ran into what's called buckbrush, thick brush. And there they saw what looked like a backpack or something underneath the brush. And the teacher went over to see what it was. And it was my granddaughter sitting on a rock like this. And this beautiful teacher walked up to her and, sa- and said to her husband, this, this isn't right. I mean, they're, they're, they're above everything. They're, they're two and a half miles above our campsite. She went over to my granddaughter and said, Honey, are you okay? She said, My granddaughter said, I cannot speak with you. (laughs) And this amazing woman, intuitive, wonderful woman who loved God, said, Do you think I'm a stranger? Honey, I'm a teacher. My name is Molly, which happened to be my granddaughter's family's best friend's name. Are you okay? Molly said that my little girl exploded into her arms weeping. My grandpa is lost. (laughs) In my book, I talk about the fact that she was right. But I was about to be found. Here's a picture of the rescue team bringing Jaden back to me. People say, what are you saying to her? And my response is, I took her by the arms and said, you are a bad, bad little girl. Do you buy that? How about this? How many times have I told you? I memorized what I said to her. Because I said it about a hundred times. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Jaden. I love you. And from somewhere a long way away, I heard that phrase echoed. And I love you. You don't have anything to prove to me. I've given you gifts. And over a period of time, I realized that my goal, in essence, was wrapped around my gifts. But my goal 
was to impact people's lives. To find the courage to say to someone that I admired, to someone that I cared about, I want you to take care of this body because if you take care of this body, it will help you. By that time, I had lost, I lost 40 pounds training for the triathlon. I remember riding up a hill one time, so exhausted. I called my wife. I said, come and get me. She came and got me. I was running one time and I started to sweat. I called my wife. I said, come and get me. And she came and got me. And this is why I love her. I got in the car and she just sat there. And then she turned and looked at me and said, do not call me to come and get you again. Don't you call me until you have passed away. <laughs> Some of you look confused. Died. Died. <laughs> she said, then she said, you can do this. You can do this. Just before the triathlon, I was making my way up that hill the last time. Just the last time before the triathlon. And I was near the top. I, ha I would often now ride it up and then turn around and ride down. My top speed on a bicycle is 62 miles an hour. <laughs> I love that. But in order to do that, you have to go up. And I was almost to the top when I heard this. <laughs> this whole story is in my book. <laughs> and I, it scared me. Because I, when I told Diane I was going 61 miles an hour, um, she said, don't do that. This is the same woman who said, you can do this. Now she's saying, don't do that. She said, you're one acorn away from death, which, which destroyed the joy. Because now coming down, I was looking for acorns. <laughs> That's why I didn't see the stupid dog. The dog came out. I, I, I looked back, snarling, stuff dripping from his lips, chasing me down this hill. And that's when I hit the acorn. And I slid. I was, I was afraid. But I remember standing up and going, this is life. Life is not without falls. Life is not without coming to what seems insurmountable obstacles <laughs> so when I heard that I thought it was the dog and I tur turned around and looked and there was a, a old man a fossil coming up behind me on his bicycle <laughs> and he pulled up beside me and he started to talk to me. Now, I am exhausted. I've gone up this hill, and I am exhausted, and he's beside me talking. He said, don't ever stop doing this. That sounds inspiring. I wanted to just whack him one, because I'm about to die. And he's talking. He's carrying on a conversation. He said, I don't, I don't do this to stay alive. He said, I do this to live. He said, I had a stroke and lost all the use of my right leg. But I started doing this and I've regained my health. 
don't ever stop doing this. And then he passed me. I wanted to catch up to him. I wanted to hurt this man. And as he crested the hill, that old guy looked back and yelled back to me, Live! And disappeared over the hill. I ride the same route all the time looking for him. I want to thank him. I want to thank him for helping me realize that the dream is bigger than just me. If it, if, if it is possible that in accomplishing my dream, I could expend my life. The dream should be big enough to make that worth it. It's not big enough so that you can play golf every day. Or just travel. Make sure that your dream is always reaching out to impact the lives of others. Nothing wrong with travel. Nothing wrong with golf. I love the game. Know your dream. Know your dream will change. Make sure your dream is bigger than you. Someone said this, Mastermind Group is committed. Oh, it was, it was Cliff said this, Mastermind Group is committed to the success of every other person in the group. My takeaway today, I'm going to get in one of these. When Giovanna said, write it down. I didn't write down, I'm going to get in a mastermind group because she made it so clear. You've got to put it on a calendar. You don't put that on a calendar. That can happen anytime. I put down the name of the person I'm going to call. And then I'm going to listen to them say, we don't take people like you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the best news of all. For 40 plus years, my dream required travel. I can no longer travel like I used to. I can speak. I can make people laugh. I still want to change lives. I hope this is good news for you. I'm in the exciting process right now of figuring out how to use those skills in a new way to free my dream again. So we're all starting at the same place. My prayer is that you will be able to live your dream and discover all the wonderful roads that it will lead you down. At age 70, I'm not giving up. Yesterday, I opened my computer to see that some of the people who work with me had posted this on my website. You are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. And better than everything, it's written by my favorite author, C.S. Lewis. More than hoping you'll enjoy all the roads, I hope that thousands of lives will be better because you've been able to free your dream. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this conference today. God bless you. Well, there you go, my friends. I hope that Ken's message has helped you gain a little bit more clarity around what it means to dream and gives you a little bit more of a an understanding of of how dreams can change that they need to be 
something that lasts a lifetime and and that you need to be able to to evaluate your gifts in this world and what you're good at and and that you must not allow perfection to stand in the way you must not compare yourself to others understand that your dreams you don't have you, you pursue whatever it is that's in your heart right now and don't worry about how long it will last your dreams will change and sometimes there's a whole new door behind you that you didn't even know was there oh my gosh i love ken davis ken davis i i love you man and i thank you so much for the many ways that you've profoundly impacted my life you're an amazing mentor you're an amazing friend and you're an amazing gift And I thank you for this message that you've shared here. My friends, if this episode has resonated with you, if any of the content that I've been creating in this podcast resonated with you, I want you to know you need to come to Free the Dream 2019. There's a reason why you continue to come back to this podcast week after week. And it's not just me. I promise you, it may have nothing to do with me, but there is a reason why you continually are compelled to come back to this content, and I promise you that there's nothing in my heart that could convince me otherwise. I was put on this earth to share this kind of message to help people free the dream inside of them. Whether you don't believe that you even know what your dream is, or if you know what your dream is and you just continue to have the most difficult time taking the actions to actually achieve the dream that's inside of you, come to Free the Dream 2019. Get unlocked so that you can actually break free from whatever's holding you back. You will do that in Franklin, Tennessee, 2019. There are already three people coming from Australia, one person coming from France, one person from Switzerland, one person from New Zealand. Do you know how expensive it is to travel from all of those locations to Franklin, Tennessee? Seriously, come to Free the Dream 2019. Don't put your dream off another year. Do it today. Get your ticket, freethedreamconference.com. I look forward to seeing you in Franklin, Tennessee. Mindset and Surround.